Kira kutu katoa, me nau mai hari mai eti wiki o te taki. It's Ramari, Friday, 16th of December 2022, and welcome to the Weekend Tax, the New Zealand tax podcast. Go Terry Voucher, aho. I'm the Director of Voucher Consulting, a tax consultancy helping individuals, small businesses, and professionals navigate the tax minefield. A war, inflation, a proposed tax principles act, a dramatic U turn. The Trustastrophe 2022 has been quite the year, and I'm certain I'm not the only one whose predictions end finished up wide of the mark. Back in January, I saw three main themes for the year. Firstly, the ongoing response to COVID-19 and what new fiscal support will be offered. As part of this, the question of inequality and the taxation of capital would be on the agenda. Secondly, international tax reform and more progress in the deal announced in October 2021. And finally, with Inland Revenue, how it was going to administer the tax system in the future. Well, on the first, there was a new COVID support package announced shortly afterwards in February, which ran through until May. However, although COVID is still very much around, the government's focus has rapidly shifted to dealing with the cost and living crisis in part the result of COVID-19 and the supply chain issues and the spike in the oil prices after Russia invaded Ukraine. By the way, as for financial support for COVID, only the leave support payment scheme, which pays $600 per week, remains available. Now, this was the year the details of the international tax deal announced in October 2021 were meant to be worked out. So everything would then be ready for implementation next year. Instead, it ran into a series of obstacles which has delayed this implementation until 2024 at at least. Fortunately, however, this week, a key obstacle has been removed. Uh, After first Hungary and then after some last minute shenanigans, Poland dropped their objections to the deal enabling the EU to unanimously agree to implement the Pillar 2 of the OECD proposals. Now, this will impose the minimum corporate tax rate of 15%, uh, which will apply to all national and domestic groups with combined annual turnover of at least €750 million. So, overall, although progress is being made, it is at a slower pace than was expected back in 2021, And I would expect that will still continue to be the case next year. Some of the tax press you read, they're so beginning to wonder if it will ever happen. But we will see. Moving on, the... After completing its business transformation program, I expected Inland Revenue to turn its attention back to how the tax system is run. And certainly at the start of the year, there was a quite a bit of activity in this area, with a particularly useful paper prepared by Business uh, New Zealand on the matter. However, the topic dropped off the radar in the wake of the cost of living crisis, which somewhat ironically then put the spotlight on how inland re- revenue operates. In the budget in May, the government announced a cost of living payment of $350 to be paid in three monthly instalments starting on 1st of August. And to say there were a few teething issues would be one of the understatements of the year. 
Although mistakes were inevitable given there were potentially over 2.1 million recipients, right from the outset, Inland Revenue seemed to be struggling to get to how to manage the delivery of the payments. As has been reported, quite significant numbers of ineligible recipients, um, a large number of whom were outside New Zealand, received payments incorrectly. And Inland Revenue also acknowledged there had been a systemic problem in respect of one group of 12,000 recipients. Now, Inland Revenue does appear to have got on top of the, the issue of identifying correct recipients for the payments. Um, by the time the third payment was made on 1st of October, the number of uh, payees had reduced by 96,000 compared with the first instalment in August. And now, according to Inland Revenue, it, uh, it calculates that between 70 and 80,000 people may have incorrectly received a cost of doing payment and has now begun contacting this group about those other payments. Now, given payments were expected to be made to 2.1 million, some mistakes were inevitable, as I said. It is, however, of concern that there were systemic issues identified. And I think it's arguably more problematic that inland revenue required, by its own estimate, at least 750 staff, almost the equivalent of almost 20% of its current staffing levels, to process those payments. Combined with persistent rumours about now frequent overtime, that indicates potentially serious under-resourcing issues at Inland Revenue, and that is something we will be keeping an eye on going forward. The cost of living payment was one of the few surprises in May's budget. Grant uh, Robertson chose again to do nothing about increasing thresholds, which, although tax rates have changed on 1st of October 2010, the actual thresholds which tax rates apply haven't actually been adjusted since 1st of October 2008. Now, the theory um, behind the cost of living payments were that they were more targeted than raising the thresholds. But as we've just discussed, um, administrative areas by inland revenue meant that the payments attracted more controversy than anticipated. That said, the controversy around those uh, cost of living payments paled besides the reaction to a proposal in the August tax bill to um, raise GST on management fees um, paid by KiwiSaver funds. Now, this, on the face of it, was a routine tax measure designed to, sort of, uh, to tidy up what was a, uh, an unclear tax treatment uh, uh, on this point and would not have taken effect until um, 1st of April 2026. But it was expected to realise uh, an estimated $225 million a year. <clears throat> and then the whole political storm erupted once the accompanying regulatory impact statement revealed that um, on the assumption that the increase in GST would be fully passed on to KiwiSaver fund members, KiwiSaver balances would be reduced by an estimated $103 billion by 2070. Um, so, in that, amidst that storm, the, the government rapidly decided to with retreat and the offending proposals were withdrawn inside 24 hours, which is a quite unprecedented move. Um, 
it is one of the clearest cases of politics trumping tax policy because once the dust is settled the issue the matter was trying to resolve is still to be addressed um, I, I suspect that some they might try, uh, whoever tries again might think about addressing it by using the funds raised to either <coughs> restore the um, fee subsidy of $40 which was withdrawn in 2009 or adopting one of the tax working groups proposals for uh, minimizing the effect of tax on uh, kiwi savers for low income earners well, that, that controversy and u-turn was quite frankly nothing compared with what might politely be described as the trustastrophe i've heard ruder descriptions uh, which uh, uh, happened in the uk barely a month later <coughs> To recap, Liz Trust um, and her Liz Truss and her new new chancellor Quasi Quarting decided to go for broke with a tax cutting bold tax cutting mini budget in September, and this proposed significant tax cuts, primarily the reversal of a proposed corporation uh, tax increase, and the removal of the 45% tax rate on uh, uh, income tax rate. Um, this <laughs> provoked, uh, as is well known, provoked a massive um, run on the pound and more worryingly in the gilt markets, the UK government's bond markets. And basically within four weeks, um, no fewer than seven of the proposals in tax cutting proposals in the mini budget were gone and shortly afterwards so too were Quartang and um, Truss. Um, now <coughs> both will now become footnotes in history, Truss being the, the shortest lived Prime Minister in British history. But while that was all great uh, fun games to watch from this side uh, of the world. The the dramatic fall of trust did actually have some knock-on effects here because um, the major controversy or part of it, one of the most controversial parts was the withdrawal of the highest rate income tax ban and <coughs> which and which actually highlighted how a disproportionate amount of what was proposed in those tax cuts would have gone to relatively few people. Now, <coughs> in the wake of the fallout, um, National here felt compelled to announce it wouldn't go ahead with its proposed abolition of the 39% tax rate in its first term if it forms the government after next year's uh, election. There was also something else which amidst uh, the mayhem of um, what went on with trust and quieting, a little detail didn't attract a lot of attention. And that was that there were no real attempts, no attempts at all, in fact, in by trust and quieting to change the taxation of capital, either by reducing capital gains tax or inheritance tax. Now, in fact, 
Kwarteng's successor as Chancellor, the Finance Minister, Jonathan Hunt, has actually increased the tax on capital gains by reducing the annual exemption allowance that people have. It was it's currently twelve thousand, just over twelve thousand pounds. It's going to be reduced steadily to three thousand pounds. And <coughs> that shows uh, an interesting t insight into where the relative states of tax systems in the UK and here, uh, that the UK system could feel, even, uh, even when being managed by bold tax cutters, left alone the taxation of capital, whereas as we know here, the taxation of capital is a perennial problem. Uh, and very little can be done with it. It, it, the, it was in part to this issue that David Parker, the Minister of Revenue, made a very interesting speech in April talking about um, and proposing a tax principles act across by which the system would be tax proposals by party government by governments of whichever hue would be judged. Um, it's well worth reading again, the, the proposals, but we've not seen anything on the, uh, the bill which he suggested would be coming out this year. And uh, given how the government reacted to the GST on management fees issue, um, the, uh, I think it's probably likely we won't see this at all until uh, <coughs> uh, next year, if and when, uh, I I if Labour are re-elected and form the next government again. But the there's a constant theme of this podcast is around the taxation of capital, because there's a lot going on in the world. As we just said, mentioned there, the, the UK, despite bold tax cutters, wouldn't, wasn't prepared to to make changes to the taxation of capital. And over in Ireland, the the Irish government asked a commission on taxation and welfare to report on the Irish tax and welfare systems. Um, and its report, when it was published in September 2022, made 116 recommendations, and one of which was, quote, the overall yield from wealth and capital taxes, including property, land, capital acquisitions and capital gains taxes, should increase materially as a proportion of overall tax revenues. And this is so one of the things where I think New Zealand is out of out of whack um, with what global trends on that. But the politics are, are very difficult. It's easy to say that as a tax consultant, but you have to deal with politicians need to be re-elected and they have to deal with those issues. Um, but it's a, it always provokes, whenever I do address this topic, it always provokes a lively topic, uh, a, a lively discussion. It's interesting to see the readership, what are the most read articles, and um, most listened posts and try and pick a common theme. And they're actually surprisingly different. The top five, are the most read transcript, for example, um, 
was uh, when I discussed an interpretation statement on the application of land sale rules to co-ownership changes and changes of trustees. That was by far the most read transcript for the year. And interestingly, it was one of the top five most listened podcasts. Um, the cost of living um, debacle was, uh, our, or rather the announcement of the cost of living and the budget special was the second most uh, read podcast uh, transcript for the year and that was then followed by um, a, pod, a transcript which in which I discussed um, extended reporting requirements for trusts so as you can see the theme there is we're looking around what's happening in the budget we're also looking about the taxation of property taxation of wealth and similarly that's the story for the um, fourth uh, and fifth most uh, analysed um, uh, read transcripts. The fifth, fourth one dealt with the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's report on the uh, housing taxation, of uh, which it suggested that favourable tax settings have not helped in the housing in the housing um, crisis. Um, and that was by comparing our housing market with several other developed ones. And uh, then I looked the final, the top, the fifth most popular transcript of the, the most read transcript of the year was I was having a look at the question of wealth taxes. You may recall the Greens came out and with proposal there. So <coughs> not surprising. Apologies. And certainly the comments section gets pretty lively if I make a suggestion that maybe we do need to change our tax settings around the taxation of capital, such as introducing the fair economic return that uh, Associate Professor Susan and John and I have been talking about for some time. But that's, that's tax, that's politics. I'm very happy to engage in debate on that. Um, with the podcast listeners, it's slightly different. The most listened podcast uh, for the year actually involved the proposed income insurance scheme, which has actually slipped under the radar. It's still in the, pro in the background progressing. Um, we then, but you can also pick up the uh, themes for the year ahead and housing um, and, countering, uh, I, I, and countering tax avoidance was uh, also in the top um five uh, podcast listens for the year but so there's a there's some overlap in there amongst that as i said whenever we deal with taxation of housing um that pushes a few buttons everywhere um and sometimes uh, which is amusing to see uh, but inevitable but those debates aren't going to go away we're going to see more of them next year uh, inevitably more so I, I do think, I do have a wish that I think we need to be asking a lot more about why we're raising the tax. I know I see that in the comments because one of the things that is emerging is this, the longer term trends for the tax take relative to the demands and pressures are going to be put on it, such as rising superannuation costs. Those aren't being very publicly discussed, but they're very clearly being pointed out uh, to in by Treasury's documents uh, on the well-being 
the uh, Hei Tirohanga Mukopuna 2021. That's its um, combined statement on the long-term fiscal position and long-term insights briefing. Um, but the government doesn't really want to talk about capital gains taxes at all. The, um, when Inland Revenue was looking at its insights briefing, long-term insights briefing, it was, it was specifically told you can't look at the impact of capital gains tax. And so I think uh, politicians have so deliberately, uh, understandably uh, prescribed um, debate on the matter. But the fact is those debates aren't going to go away. Tax systems evolve over time it's, uh, on that. And these issues are going to need to be discussed because ultimately taxes, yes, what we pay for a civilized society, but they also meet the demands that the economy and society meet at that time. If they don't change or adapt to meet those needs, we have future problems brewing. Well, on that note, that's all for this week and for 2022. I'm Terry Boucher, and you can find this podcast on my website, www.boucher.tax, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to all my listeners and readers and for all the feedback. I greatly appreciate it, even if we don't always agree. Until next year, kia pai te kirik mihiti. Have a great Christmas. Thank you.